0: Bibles, if you would, to First John chapter 1. And we we'll are starting verse 5, and then we'll be reading to, to um, chapter 2, verse 2. And our text will be found in chapter 2, verse 2, but I want to read these verses before us so that we get the context of the verse. The name of the message is Substitution, Propitiation, and satisfaction. Substitution, propitiation, and satisfaction. John pens this to fellow believers. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Remember, John is an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And declare unto you, that he was an eyewitness and he was an ear witness of the things of Christ. This then is the message we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He's absolutely holy. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What a statement. What a wonderful statement for the blood-washed believer. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, which the believer does, we we confess our sins before our God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, last week, we considered the fact that we as born again, blood washed believers, that we have an advocate, just as verse one says in chapter two there, we have an advocate. The born again, blood washed believer has an advocate and his name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's his name. He is God incarnate in the flesh. We also took note that John used the little word in verse 1 of chapter 2 when proclaiming to believers that they have an advocate. He used the little word we. The little word we. Let us all re- always remember that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. It's level. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. And here the apostle John brings that forth. He does not say you have an advocate. He doesn't say you have a propitiation. No, he says we have an advocate. And in our text tonight he says, and he is a propitiation for our sins. He puts himself on the same ground as every other believer. Every other believer. A sinner in desperate need of Christ. A sinner but saved by the grace of God. And we know, we who are the people of God know, we are but sinners saved by grace. And again, notice the same vein of thought as verse 1 is brought out again tonight in our verse. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Again, note the little word, our He's proclaiming Christ as a propitiation for the saints. He's writing to them and himself. and He includes those who would be called by God in the future. That's where we see, but also for the sins of the whole world. Because he knows that God has a people in every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. So let's look at verse 2 again. And he, that being Christ, is the propitiation for our, that's the believer, the believer in Christ Jesus who John's writing to and including himself for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now these words in verse 2 are again tied into verse 1. They also speak of the ground on which Christ's advocacy rests. And there's also an amplification of of the righteousness of the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's to magnify who he is. It's to magnify who he is. Let's look at those two verses again. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sins again it's magnifying who christ is he's the righteous one and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world now this word propitiation here in the greek means an appeasing propitiation the means of appeasing a, a propitiation atoning sacrifice sin offering expiation one who makes propitiation or expiation Have you ever considered what salvation means? Have you ever considered what the word salvation means? It means deliverance or rescue in the scripture. Now, one commentator brought forth this about salvation in a worldly experience, not in a a biblical experience, but in a worldly form of salvation. If somebody's rescued from certain defeat in battle, he experiences a salvation. He's delivered. He's rescued. If somebody survives a life-threatening illness, that person experiences salvation in the sense of he's been delivered from that because that's what that word means. If somebody's plants are bought back from withering to her best health, they're, they're saved. Vicky and I bought a bunch of plants last year and they were plants that no one wanted. They were dying. We bought them home and she put some of that miracle growth on them and man, one of the plants was the best plant we had. In the whole garden, it was just absolutely beautiful. But salvation—the the biblical language for salvation—is really no different than our language. We we save money, and a boxer a boxer will be in a match, and he's saved by the bell. They say, right? He's saved by the bell, meaning he's saved from losing the fight or b- being knocked out. And the commentator goes on to say, in short, any experience of deliverance from a clear and present danger can be spoken of as a form of salvation. And just meaning in a sense of a deliverance or, or being rescued. Now, in a biblical, sal- a biblical salvation, though, no. we are saved and rescued, beloved, from God's wrath. From God's wrath. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're saved from God's wrath. We're saved also from God's law. We're saved from God's justice, and that justice has a rightful claim upon us. We also know that we're saved from our sins, don't we? Because the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world to what? Save his people from their sins. We know that. We are rescued and delivered from our sins. But do you know that we're delivered and rescued from the wrath of God? Not a drop of the wrath of God will touch us, we who are God's people. Now, it will fall upon the unbeliever. But it will not fall upon God's blood-bought people. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 1. We'll read verses 5 to 10. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. But also in power. So the word was effectual. And we know the word is only made effectual by the Holy Spirit of God. But also in power in the Holy Ghost. There it is. And in much assurance. As you know what manner of man we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us. And of the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction. With joy of the Holy Ghost. So that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia. But also in every place. Your faith to God word is spread abroad. So that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us of what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now look at verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us, rescued us, beloved, saved us from what? From the wrath to come and that's the just wrath of God that'll fall upon those outside of Christ. Now we don't get what we deserve, do we? We receive grace, but that wrath did fall upon someone. That wrath that was deserved us fell upon someone. It fell upon Christ beloved. The great substitute. The great substitute and He, we will see tonight, is our propitiation. And He is the one who has satisfied God's law and justice. He's made satisfaction. Oh my. Verse 10 there, He's delivered us. Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Tie that in with our verse tonight. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. and Tie that in. Look at this. Tie that in. And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Oh, my. Why did the Lord come here again? To save his people from their sins. How did he do that? By being made a propitiation for us. Oh, my. Beloved of God, the Lord Jesus Christ has made atonement for the sins of his people. How? By the sacrifice of himself. And the benefit of Christ's blood for the sinner is what? What's the benefit of Christ's blood for the born again believer? You know what it is? Full acceptance with God in and through Christ. Full acceptance with God in and through Christ. I said on Sunday, the gospel preacher preaches glad tidings for sinners. Glad tidings for sinners. And Christ not only propitiates, but he offers himself up as the propitiatory sacrifice. He's the the sacrifice too, beloved, for his people. He's both the sacrifice and he's the high priest. He's both. And he alone. Now, now I want to get this because the meaning of that, of, of propitiation is to appease. It's part of it is to appease, to expiate. That's to appease. And he has appeased the wrath of God in our place, beloved. He's done that. He's done that. He's appeased the wrath of God in the place of his people. And again, this is good news. This is glad tidings for sinners. It is Christ and Christ alone who has appeased God's strict justice. And we know God's justice is strict, don't we? It must be satisfied. I've said this many times, either in the substitute or in the sinner. It has to be satisfied. It must be. It must be. And Christ and Christ alone has appeased God's strict justice and God's holiness too. Because God's holiness must be upheld, eh? He can't have... He can't have sin in His presence, beloved. Oh, His holiness must be upheld too. And God is so satisfied in the sacrifice of Christ that in and through the Lord Jesus Christ He forgives the sins of all His people. Of all His people. Therefore, God, in doing that, can be just and the justifier of His people. Of the elect of God, of all for whom Christ died, Jew and Gentile. That's what the world's talking about in that text. Jew and Gentile. Oh my. And he is a propitiation for the sins of his people by appointment of God. By appointment of God. God appointed. For him to be so. And praise God for the believer in Christ. We, proclaim, we can proclaim that we are absolutely complete in Christ. He's everything. We're complete in him. We can proclaim that our entire acceptance before God. Is in Christ and Christ alone. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he has saved. And how has he saved us? In Christ, who is our propitiation by what he's done. By what he's done. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. And who is he? Jesus Christ, the righteous. The perfect one. The sinless one. The spotless one. And the believer says, glory to his name. Turn, if you would, to to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. We're going to look here. And now in these verses that we're going to look at. We will see one of the clearest declarations. One of the clearest declarations. Of the gospel of God's grace. Right in these verses. One of the clearest declaration of God's grace to sinners. In Christ. Very clear. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And right here in these verses is stated how God saves sinners. How he has mercy upon sinners. How God's people are justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And if you know this, if you've had this revealed to you, it makes you rejoice. It makes you rejoice. Because it is God who has revealed this to us. Let's read verses 19 to 26. And we'll look at each verse here. Romans 3 verse 19. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So we see they are guilty. Guilty. And that's guilty, 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 isn't it? Guilty before God. And that word guilty there in the Greek means under sentence. Under sentence. It means condemned, it means liable, it means subject to persecution. And note in the text that this is said of all flesh. Look at verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. So by the deeds of the law, there be no flesh justified, and we know that's in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now the deeds of the law here means works of religion or works which you can perform. And, and don't, rem- don't ever forget that the word works means anything you do in your mind or physical activity too. No one can be acceptable to God by their own works. And think of this, not all are praying. Although praying is a good thing, isn't it? Not all our Bible reading. Although bo- reading the Bible is a good thing. But nothing we can do can make us acceptable to God. Because we're sinners. We're sinners. Oh my. No one can be justified before God by anything we do. But what does the law do? Well, the law reveals our sinfulness, doesn't it? It reveals our sinfulness. The law cannot save, we know that. No one can be saved. That, that, that scripture very clearly talks about, therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is all to sin. So if a person can't be justified in God's sight, they can't be saved, can they? By the works of the law. This shows man's desperate need for a substitute. This shows man's desperate need for a propitiation before God. One that will satisfy God. And the only substitute that God will accept in the sinner's place, beloved, is the Lord Jesus Christ, righteous one. He's the only one who, who God will accept in the sinner's place. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It says here, but now the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is one of the most important expressions in the scriptures. It signifies both the precept of the law and the penalty of the law. That is, the holy law in every jot and tittle must be honored must be honored. That's why Paul says if you put yourself under the law, then you're a debtor to the whole law. You say, well, you've got to do this, then you've got to do it all. And where there is the least offense, God's justice must be satisfied. Must be. But this righteousness spoken of here is the righteousness that God by His grace has provided for and imputed to guilty sinners through His Son. Think upon this, you and I who are born again, we who are the redeemed of the Lord. If there's no imputation of Christ's obedience to the law for us, if there's no imputation of His perfect righteousness, then none would be saved. Praise God for for Christ's imputed righteousness and for his obedience being imputed to us too. Eh? Oh my beloved. He was our substitute both in his life and in his death. And we know this from verse 23 which says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's a verse over in Isaiah. I'll just read it here. Isaiah 64, 6. It says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we do fade away as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. But note in this verse here, it says the righteousness is manifested. It's revealed. And it's witnessed. It's witnessed by the word of God. By the law and the prophets, it says here. Because why? They testified of who? Christ. They testified of Christ, beloved. So rejoice, beloved of God. You who know this. You who have been taught this by God. This is now manifested in the gospel. Why is the gospel the power of God and the salvation? Because therein is the righteousness of God revealed. It's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Christ fulfilled the law of God in the place of his people. And His perfect obedience to the law and His perfect righteousness is given to us. And He has revealed this to His people. And God's people we say, hallelujah, what a Savior. don't we? What a Savior. What a Savior is Jesus Christ, my Lord. Look at verse 22 in Romans 3. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. The perfect righteousness whereby we are sanctified, justified and received in God's presence is holy and without blame. Is is not imputed to us on any on, on account of any work of our own, but it's received by faith. It's received by faith. Faith is not a part of that righteousness, but it is through faith that it's received. And oh my, look at verse 23 and 24. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's that level ground as sinners, isn't it? So there's level ground at the cross, but there's also level ground amongst all of humanity. We're all born dead in trespasses and sins. Some may may be a little more smarter. Some may have a little more money. Some may have a better job than others, but we're all sinners. We're all sinners. Whether people believe it or not. That's what the scripture declares. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now look what is written about God's people though. In verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we see in verse 23. The thought that was being brought forth. In verse 22. Is continued that we're all guilty before God in our natural state and that none can save themselves by their works, whether it be of thought, word, or deed. And then note in verse 24, God's people are justified freely. You know what this speaks of? Without a cause in us. We're justified by the grace of God without any cause in us at all. My, that's Wonderful. It's all by the grace of God. I was speaking to a dear brother today and he was saying, I don't understand why God saved me. Why he saved me and passed by all those others. And I said, brother, all we can say is what Paul said. I've obtained mercy. And he said, Amen. Amen. That's it, isn't it? I've obtained mercy. We have been justified freely by the grace of God without any cause in us at all. All according to God's free and sovereign grace and mercy in Christ. Look at verse 25 now. Here's the tie-in with our verse tonight. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So, note here in verse 25, Jesus Christ, who is the Redeemer of his people, he is the one whom God, note, note that it's God who set him forth, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. This is of God's planning. And this is executed by God, beloved. So think of that in light of we who are saved. This is glorious. This is absolutely glorious. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. It is God who has sent Christ to be a propitiation for His people. Without a cause in us, say but all according to his grace and mercy. No wonder Paul said, I've obtained mercy. No wonder he said that. Now the Greek word for propitiation here is not the same Greek word that's used in our text, although it has a similar meaning. But this this Greek word is used here and in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5. So turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5. And this word here for propitiation in in the Greek means atonement. Atoning sacrifice, propitiate, propitiation. And this speaks of the mercy seat of God. This speaks of the mercy seat of God. Thus, the word propitiation here signifies the mercy seat. And it's translated as this over in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 5 it says, and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat. The same word that was translated propitiation. Same word. Same Greek word. Of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now the mercy seat, beloved, was made of pure gold, wasn't it? It was made of pure gold. You know what that pictured? That pictured the excellency of Christ. That's what that pictured. I pictured the excellency of Christ, beloved. Because the mercy seat is a picture of him. <laughs> oh my. And what did the mercy seat cover, beloved? The law of God. It covered the law of God. Which pictures Christ standing between his people in the law of God. Satisfying God's law and justice and wrath in the place of his people. And we know that on that mercy seat was sprinkled that blood, wasn't it? Oh, my. So he's pictured in the mercy seat. He's pictured in the, in the propitiation, the sacrifice. And he's pictured in the blood that was sprinkled upon that mercy seat. beloved. He alone has made satisfaction of God's law for us in our place. God's law is appeased. God's justice is appeased. God's wrath is appeased for the believer in Christ. In Christ. Christ is a covering to his people, beloved. We are clothed in his perfect, spotless righteousness. We are safe from the wrath of God through him. Secured from the curse and condemnation of the law. That we justly deserve. Secure from all that. And all that God demanded for our sins. Was poured out on Christ. The sinless, perfect, spotless Lamb of God. That's why the scripture says he was the just one. Dying for the unjust. all oh, the holy one dying for the unholy. And look at this, and remember this too. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He's our righteousness, isn't He? He's our righteousness. Look at verse 25 again in Romans chapter 3. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. That's a wonder in all by itself right there. Through faith in His blood. And without the shed in the blood, there's no remission of sins, is there? None at all. But oh, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses every single one of His sheep, a number that no man can number from all their sins. Oh, my. And note here, to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The sins that are past, beloved of God, This means that God pardoned the sins of believers under the Old Testament. How? By the atonement of Christ. (laughs) They're saved the same way we are, beloved. Exactly the same way. Exactly the same way. All those sacrifices in the Old Testament could never, never, never take away sin. But they pointed to the one who is sent by God to be a propitiation for the sins of his people. The one sacrifice. As I'll look at later, the divine propitiation. That's what he is. The divine propitiation. The Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13, it says this. It says this about the Old Testament saints, they all died in faith. Well, who was that faith in, beloved? We know who that faith was in. That faith was in Christ. <laughs> Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were looking to Christ, beloved. They were looking to Christ. And were persuaded of them and embraced them. Oh, they had the same faith we have, beloved. <laughs> Look into Christ. And confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. What do we confess? We're but passing through, aren't we? We're, but pa- we're strangers and pilgrims in this world, beloved. Oh, and this was due to, to God's forbearance, that he did not immediately destroy them, but they, that passed by all their sins until his law was honored and his justice was satisfied by Christ Jesus. Who was their propitiation and who was their substitute, just like he is ours. See, all the elect of all the ages are saved the same way, aren't they? In and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. His righteousness. That he might be just in the justifier of of him which believeth in Jesus. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. Or to manifest it. Manifest that perfect righteousness is provided by the Lord Jesus Christ for every believer. For every believer. Beloved, we are not only innocent before God in Christ, but we have the righteousness of God. It's given to us. It's, 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 it's what the old timers and the commentators say, an alien righteousness it's not ours. It's Christ. And Christ is God. And he has given us his righteousness. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely stunning. Wonder of wonder, God saves man in such a way that his justice and truth are not compromised. God saves man in such a way that his justice and truth are not compromised or violated. Therefore, As the scripture proclaims. Our God is a just God. And a justifier of his people. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Turn if you would to Psalm. Psalm 89. Or 85. I'm sorry. Psalm 85. Psalm 85. Oh how is God's. Justice and truth. Not compromised or violated. Because. Christ died as our substitute. Christ died as a substitute of his people. Look at this in Psalm 85, verses 9 to 11. Surely, and this is God's salvation, surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. And this is said to be at the cross right here. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That happened at the cross, beloved. That happened when Christ died as a sinner substitute. That happened when he was our propitiation, beloved. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Oh my. If we are born again, we can sing with the hymn writer when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me. Of the guilt within. Upward I look. And see him there. Who made an end. Of all my sins. Because the sinless savior. Died. My sinful soul. Is counted free. For God the just. Is satisfied. To look on him. And pardon me. Christ as our propitiation beloved was beautifully shown in picture in shadow in the Old Testament. And that which was pictured in shadow in the Old Testament was accomplished in the new by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Note Christ let's go back to our text is called the propitiation. Sin had made a breach between God and man, and Christ in the room and place of His people. Beloved, He has made peace by the blood of His cross for them. Peace before God's holy law and justice for all of His elect, all of His people, both Jew and Gentile. And this is what's being brought forth in the latter part of this verse. And He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of Of the whole world. And this speaks. Beloved this speaks. Of all the elect. Of all the ages. Both Jew and Gentile. Both Jew and Gentile. Now here are some blessings. For us to consider. For us to take with us. And hopefully will be comfort to us. Through the week. And maybe even longer. Lord willing. For us to consider. About the propitiation. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is. The divine propitiation. Christ is the divine propitiation. And this divine propitiation is complete. The work's done. It's complete. Christ is the propitiation for His people. The work is done in every part. Every part. We are complete in Him. And remember I told you, I talked to my, my dear brother out west who's a, who can read and write Greek and all that. And he said, Wayne, that, that word there used for complete in Colossians, those people would know exactly what that meant because it was a common word they used to be where you could not put another drop in. Filled to the brim. Complete in Christ. And in the typical sacrifices were two parts in each typical propitiation. The death of the substitute and the presentation of the blood before one of the altars of the mercy seat. The atonement was not complete by the death alone, but it was necessary that the death should be followed by the presentation of the blood. Now, in the death of Christ, and the divine, who is the divine propitiation, both parts have been completed, as he's the sacrifice which was offered once and only once. And his blood has been sprinkled upon the altar and the mercy seat, so that the work is complete, beloved. It's finished. It's finished. The blood was shed on Calvary. And sprinkled or presented, when by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Hebrews nine, twenty five and twenty six. And let us never forget that when Christ arose from the dead, it proclaimed, beloved, that God was absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ, because we know the scripture says he arose for what? Our justification. Oh, wonder of wonders. And another blessing to remember is this divine propitiation is final. It is never to be repeated again. Where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. God is so satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ that it is proclaimed of the redeemed Of the Lord by God. Their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember no more. That's how satisfied God is. With the sacrifice of Christ. Their sins. And their iniquities. Will I remember no more. And the scriptures declare that. Christ by one offering. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Those who are in Christ clothed in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ. Still sinners while we're here on this earth, eh? But God sees us in Christ, beloved. What a Savior. What a Savior. Which brings us to the last blessing for us to consider, (coughs) which is the divine propitiation is all-sufficient. It is he and he alone who reconciles the sinner back to God. It is only in Christ and Christ alone that the believer has all our sins blotted out. We have full, complete forgiveness of all our sins and full acceptance before God in Christ. He is the all-sufficient Sacrifice. He is the all-sufficient Savior he is the divine propitiation he is the sinless spotless lamb of God and the born-again blood-bought believer says that's my King that's my Redeemer that's my Savior he rescued me he's delivered me from all my sins he's delivered me from the wrath of God He's delivered me from the justice of God. He's delivered me from the law of God. And we have full, complete acceptance with God through Him. What peace, what rest then the born-again believer has. In knowing that Christ is the all-sufficient divine propitiation for my sins. And every believer can say that, can't they? And it's God Himself who has provided Him for us. My. Is it any wonder Paul said, I've obtained mercy? And we who believe say the same thing, don't we? I've obtained mercy. I've obtained mercy in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And who was the one who was our propitiation? God incarnate in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee again for the wonders that we see in Your Scriptures, O Lord. How we who could not save ourselves, we who are Your Your people, we know we're just sinners. We know that we're all on the same level, Lord. Sinners. But we also know that we who are your people, we who are born again, you who have saved us, were redeemed by thy precious blood. And we marvel in the fact that you gave yourself for us. That you were a propitiation before God for us. And we marvel that it's God who sent you. Oh, the wonders of salvation's plan. All oh, the wonders that brought it down to man. Lord, we just marvel. Marvel at your mercy and grace which is shown to us in Christ Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's close